Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Universe Within podcast. On this episode of the show, I sat down with a really fascinating guy. His name is Maiku Arebolo, and um, I became familiar with him. Uh, there was a documentary that I, I saw a, a long time ago called The Revelation of the Pyramids. It's a French documentary, and it speaks to these ideas of archaeoastronomy, of ancient cultures, about how they had this very advanced technology, knowledge of the stars, knowledge of uh, the cosmology, astrology of the universe, how they uh, built and aligned all of these sacred sites, uh, power places to these uh, ancient ley lines and astronomical events, solstices, aligning them to the stars. Uh, it's a really fascinating documentary. I, I highly recommend it. Maybe I'll, I'll put a link to the um, to the documentary, the, the YouTube version, in the show notes. Hopefully it stays up. A lot of times these things come and go. Um, but if the link does go down, you can just search for it. It's called The Revelation of the Pyramids. Uh, that's the English title. The, the French version is, is basically the same, but in French. Um, and Maiku was uh, one of the people who they interviewed in that documentary, um, and he was predominantly speaking to um, these Andean sites, these ancient power sacred sites that had very similar precision, very similar alignment, uh, and, and how it tied into this more worldwide uh, idea of an ancient culture. So it was really fascinating for me to sit down and speak to Maiku. Uh, he also lives in the, the sacred Valley of Peru near Cusco, and um, we got to speak in person about some really interesting topics like uh, these ancient uh, megalithic sites, archaeoastronomy, uh, the Andean cosmovision. Um, I think there's a whole lot we could talk to, so I feel like we basically just scratched the surface, uh, but he kindly agreed to hopefully do a part two, um, and, and we can go into some of these things in a little bit more detail. But I hope this will be a really nice overview. So uh, I think that's it for the intro. As always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help to me. Patreon is a really good option. It's a website. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. There's different tiers that you you can sign up for. Uh, those tiers give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. Um, that's always a really big help to me. I, I, I really like the idea of uh, sites like that too, because they're really based upon reciprocity, which is, um, I think, as, as maybe Maiku mentioned, this idea of uh, Aini and reciprocity. So uh, that's a really big help to me. It's what allows me to continue to make these shows and bring on these guests. To all the people who have done that, to all of the patrons, Thank you very much, as always, for your support. I deeply appreciate it. And if you are able to do that, thank you in advance. Um, if that's not within your means, uh, some of the really small things make a really big difference with the algorithms to get the show out to a bigger audience. So if you're listening to this or viewing this on YouTube, hitting the subscribe button, turning on the notification bell, uh, liking the videos, leaving any questions or comments in the comments section, that's always a really big help. And then if you're listening to this with the audio version uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, subscribing or following the show, leaving a starred rating and also a short review view is a really big help. So I think that's it. Um, my the, the following episode after this, I believe I'm going to post an interview uh, that I did with my friend and colleague, Marav Artsy. Um, we were both interviewed by a mutual friend of ours, Angel, 
who runs a, a really wonderful, um, he calls it a shamanic center in upstate New York, where they do a lot of retreats. And Marav and I have gone there the last couple of years running plantietas. So he interviews us, uh, uh, which is really nice to, to go into more detail about what the plantietta is, um, how is it working with trees, what is the, the medium of tobacco, what is the work we're doing. So uh, it gives a little more in-depth into to the work we're doing. So um, I think that's it. I hope you enjoyed this uh, interview with Michael. As I said, it's uh, really fascinating for me to talk to people like him. And uh, I hope well, this will this will be the first of at least two and, and hopefully some, some more interviews after that. So thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this interview. And uh, thank you for all the support. Great. Well, I I first heard of you. Um, there was a there was a documentary that was done, which is one of my favorite documentaries. It's called uh, the, the Revelation Band. of the Pyramids. The Band. Yeah, and I think it was a French documentary. It is. It yeah. is. It's a group of professionals from France or enthusiastic people that they want to unveil certain things in relation to ancestors. And they are trying to look at which ways could be easy to explain about pyramids and about the other wonders in the planet. Yeah. And they, they reached me because uh, I was French. And I speak French, then uh, for them that was easy. And how did, how did you learn to speak French and English? And <laughs> ah, you know, <laughs> the French, that was a funny thing because uh, uh, when I was, I was still young, I was doing public speeches in the streets, in the squares. So. And French guys, they heard me. They were speaking Spanish, so they could understand what was my speech about. And then they were very interested in inviting me to just join them kind of a visionary intention to create a community, things like that. I was what? I was 17 years old. And I was doing speeches in the, in the streets. Then they invited me. Then, uh, of course, the, the, the main uh, part of their approach was for the French community. Belgium, France, Switzerland, Canadians. And then little by little, I, I was forced to enter into that language, and then I ended learning French. But I was not using French for a long time. But anyway, as you put in practice that protocol, and I discovered that uh, the question of uh, spirituality or shamanism and all that for the French community was still retarded somehow. It was far in relation to the U.S. or the English-speaking search for spirituality. And then when they really start looking for me, and then that came that uh, people for the documentary. Mm -hmm. It's why my books are not in French, you know, because there's not too much public for that, but the English is the number one. Mm -hmm. and, uh, then like that, I started in French, and right now I have some kind of uh, people looking for me from the French community. Language can make a bridge. Then, uh, 
maybe there is a reason why I learned that language to give a, a little taste of the ancestors to that French community. So maybe to start, maybe you could you could speak a little bit about your background. Uh, I would imagine most of the audience isn't familiar with you. Maybe some are. Maybe some have read your books, but. We're we're sitting here in in the beautiful uh, Cusco region of, of Peru, and in the, the also where I'm living is like the Sacred Valley of the Incas, and there's there's a lot of history around here. And it's one of the things that brought me to this area was was as you mentioned this this idea of spirituality. There's there's still a lot of roots here, so for sure. Well, uh, uh, if I have to go back to when I was a child, and if I was somehow attracted for spirituality, I cannot say yes or no in in the order that uh, I had a mentor or I, I, I didn't have answers or no. I, ha I had a natural approach to that, uh, which means that uh, I was so happy when I was born that uh, to be in a kind of... Uh, trusting to be in nature or enjoying what life was, was so fascinated that I didn't have time to do any kind of philosophy about uh, when you are a boy. You know? But of course, when I was already 12 years old, I started to read some other kind of uh, books that existed in that time because I had already other kind of interest. I think I, as I started reading, of course, I discovered that it was so the kind of understanding of life uh, for other incredible people. He, but when I was about eight to nine years old, uh, sitting in the squares, in the mountains, in the little villages, uh, uh, observing the Milky Way, the stars, we started uh, commenting with the other colleagues that it should be other kind of life, not only what we have. So it was part already of our acceptance and my personal acceptance that we are not alone. As I continue growing, literature became part of my possibilities to know what else exists in the planet. And when I was 14 years old, I was already very dedicated to, to go deeper in myself. And in that time, the first things that came was the yoga, the, the mystics from the East, that was the first thing. I was 14 years old, 15, so, and because I was very sportive, that came as a natural way to uh, adapt uh, yoga positions, techniques, and exercising. So that was not easy at all. And later came the philosophic, philosophical understanding, the uh, complement vision of the male, the female, the yang, the, the yin, and all this. Uh, but of course, when I finished the secondary kind of uh, regular studies in the nation, I was 16 years old, I started my real journey. Because I finished secondary, I finished the regular school system, and uh, I stopped any kind of uh, you know, school for uh, preparation for university. I stopped. I wanted to discover the life as it is. And then I started my journey as a pilgrim, uh, going to different areas uh, in this land, uh, different mountains, uh, and I ended in the jungle. And in that part of my personal discovery, uh, 
people from this uh, French community, they saw me on the streets, uh, that I was doing public speeches about philosophy and spirituality and all that. And I was 16, 17 years old. So, uh, but I entered already my journey. I was very attracted to the natural style, style of life. Uh, right now, people, they do a, a big separation between uh, how you uh, enter to your personal diet. Uh, like uh, in our time, uh, being vegetarian, for example, that was taking all the kingdom of the vegetables. Vegetarians in our time was nothing to do with uh, the style of life of introducing anything in your diet. If not, that was vegetables, fruits, grains, and all what nature was uh, offering to you. So I entered into that since very early in my life. So it was not a question of argument about uh, doctrination as it happens right now. When I see the veganist movement, for example, they became so radical in the way how they approach the understanding of life. Uh, uh, very violent, very aggressive. And I was already in that personal practice. You know? So when, when I entered to this uh, big uh, positions that exist right now in the planet, I had already a definition of life. So I, I will, it was not costing me anything to uh, yeah, understand uh, or have a personal practice. Uh, this is why to become a pilgrim, a hermit, that was easy for me. Uh, to live in nature, to live in my tree, uh, and to take the seeds, uh, the, the roots, the fruits, uh, and to eat everything raw for a certain time in my life. Uh, so that was a, na a natural way to approach nature. Until the moment that uh, uh, when I was in my tree, uh, in my personal preparation, I understood uh, that I cannot be happy alone. When I discovered that part, that I cannot be happy alone, that I am a social person, I returned to society. And that was very interesting because uh, it was a period that I wanted to prove myself that uh, I was ready to do everything by myself. Eating, grow, and uh, uh, wearing everything that I could produce, uh, my own pants, my own shirt, uh, my poncho, my sandals, that cost me a lot of time to produce all those uh, products for my personal life. Uh, you know, I could do a, a, a pen that uh, was in such a uh, not uniform position because I was not a specialist. I wanted to prove myself that, that I could do that. But when I return, I start uh, discovering that uh, in life, there are people that they dedicate years to discover the perfect, the perfect tissue, the perfect sizes, the perfect materials to produce things. And I said, why I have to challenge all these people if they already did? And then I started to accepting what other amazing good people they were in their own process of evolution producing. I said, well, if there is a nice pen where I can get it, I will do the energetic work to, 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 to have what is needed I like that. I will have nice things to use. And I will not use uh, days and days to produce uh, things that were not, uh, uh, you know, as uniform as need to be when you are wearing whatever. You know? Then, uh, little by little, I understood that society is an amazing thing that human evolution is producing. 
Of course, in that personal journey, I was always fascinated for what ancestors created. And as I was looking, I didn't have answers. In uh, not having answers, you know, you had some kind of conflict uh, to, if you were going to Sacsayhuaman or to Lake Titicaca or wherever other ancient places and not having real answers about that, then I started the other level of my life, saying how all this was produced and what was the meaning of all that. And later, it was an event, I was already in my personal journey for, from far, but it was an event that was in 1992, when I arrived in numerous times, I arrived at once again to the main place of the solar pyramid in Machu Picchu. And when I stayed there, the name is the Intihuatana, this is the classic name given to that amazing place. I entered my personal meditation there. I was with some colleagues and other students. And, and uh, before trying to, to be in the place, I did my personal reverence and my personal invocation to the Great Spirit and to Pachamama, Mother Earth, saying, Pachamama, here it might be something else that uh, I didn't connect yet, that I didn't get. And that was a very special place in Machu Picchu. And I uh, followed the steps. And when I positioned myself uh, in the step number five, uh, uh, I was located in the position where it's a ceremonial table. And then I entered in my personal reverence to the place, closing my eyes for a few minutes before sunrise. And then uh, uh, I started to feel with my closing eyes that something was happening in myself uh, because I understood that the sun rises already and the sun was touching my crown, my forehead. And of course, even if you are with your closing eyes, uh, a kind of light can penetrate and warm temperature could be there. And then that started to touch me and some kind of inner lights were manifested. I understood sunrise is already there. I was really not with physical tears, but with an inner satisfaction that, wow, an important event was happening in that moment. Like my personal initiation, like the light touching me. That was fascinated to me. And I continued with my closing eyes for a certain time. Until the moment that I felt, well, that's enough is warming because uh, the sun was going higher and this first illumination was coming down little by little and when it was covering my entire face it was a moment that I said okay uh, it's time to honor that precious moment I opened my eyes and I realized that the sun was arriving already here to my position my heart in that moment when I opened my eyes and I felt that I saw that in the table that I was positioning my hands like that, on the right side of the table, there are two little circles carved by our ancestors. And what happened is that the two little circles were framed in a kind of triangular illumination. So because the rock between the uh, table and the sand was blocking partially the light, and because the elevation and all that, was producing an amazing effect that the sun was illuminating, making a triangle, 
and inside the triangle, the two little circles. When I saw that, I said, wow, such an amazing revelation for me that I understood. And I gave recognition to that table to depict the shape of the puma already since long time before that event happened. So that revelation and the illumination in my forehead that was a kind of personal uh, initiation into the light. That was amazing because I could feel how that was evolving in myself. After that event that happened, many doors opened in my life. That event didn't happen in any day. That event happened in June 21st, which is June solstice. For that was so relevant. It could be any day. Say, well, that's a coincidental thing. No, that was June solstice where the sun was touching me in my forehead and the two little circles were illuminated during that day. That uh, provoked in me uh, consequences of uh, a feeling and understanding that all solar observatories had a function. A little by little, that first step uh, in 1992, opening other kind of visual understanding. So far when I was going to any place where remains from the masters were created, I could immediately re-understand, interpret, and return to those places in order to receive confirmation. Because something, you can have the perception, say, well, you know, my intuition says something, but I can, I can be wrong. But I was returning days of equinoxes, solstices again in other places, and it was a repetition of events. I said, wow. The conclusion was that masters, when they work it in something, that was for a reason. Yeah. And uh, after that event in 1992, I ended uh, the following year not because I didn't know the place, it's because I wanted to have reconfirmation, uh, which is an amazing place near Cusco, uh, named Kenko. And in that place, which is a massive rock of limestone, in the upper part, the masters, they carved in situ on the rock uh, two nice protuberances. And uh, for a long time, uh, uh, when I was there with other people, uh, or even myself, uh, and some people were commenting about the meaning of those protuberances. The, the conclusion for most of those people, even professionals, even scholars, historians or whoever, they were interpreting that those two protuberances, circular, uh, were created by the masters in order to bring uh, a girl, a teenager, or an adolescent uh, to put, uh, uh, you know, in the position where uh, she will put uh, uh, in such a position that uh, will force her to open the legs uh, and to urinate. And like that, uh, these amazing people will know if this girl was virgin or not. That was the most uh, simple, ridiculous interpretation that was given to that place. And that was for generations. And when I heard that uh, kind of interpretation in the past, I said, that's nonsense. That's ridiculous. I was I never uh, agreed with that. Uh, in 1993, I arrived to the place again. And 
because my personal preparation to sit me to do my personal meditation for half an hour, 45 minutes, that was easy. Then I said, okay, I am here. I sat and involved to Pachamama to help me to open understanding what else was in the place. And when I was there for, for about 45 minutes with my closing eyes before sunrise, when I opened my eyes, what was in front of me were the two protuberances were illuminated and those were projecting the shadow. And all together was the, making the definition of the head, the head of the cooler, the puma. When I saw that, I said, wow, that's an amazing thing. That was John Sources again. So when I discovered that in 1993, the, and I was teaching, showing to the different people that they were traveling with me, it, it came already the suggestion and my understanding that it would be good to share that, that and many other things that I was discovering little by little with other people. And then the intention of a book born in that time. This is why after that event that happened in 1993, in 1997, I published my first book, which is The Awakening of the Puma, honoring that event. And of course, in my, in my first book, The Awakening of the Puma, that I published in 1987, I shared the other kind of wisdom that nobody knew. So, most of what I share in my books is not something that was a repetition that uh, the chronicles were uh, sharing already in their manuscripts uh, or some other kind of people. No, au contraire. I was uh, sharing things that were totally new, mostly. And so the Awakening of the Puma Buka is the result of that event. Then I, I have now a clear vision of... Uh, what our ancestors they wanted to create the best for human beings, the best for their society, and the best for the planet. And right now we are in the position that we are in a, in a global understanding. It's not any more limitations, and it's not difference of what our ancestors they wanted. So my journey was very interesting, and uh, now of course I have many more things to share. In these four books is part of this contribution, and uh, I am uh, helping different kind of students from the planet when they come here to show them what uh, uh, was the vision of our ancestors. And uh, it's for sure non-stop, uh, and I need more time to share other things, but uh, uh, there is not big difference in relation to what uh, right now people like us in this time we want for us and for the planet. We want all the best. So uh, part of my journey was in that uh, aspect. Then uh, I am very open, Jason, and thank you for the invitation for uh, uh, this uh, meeting. And uh, I am open to share something else. Uh, I am sure that uh, you have a lot of uh, information already since you are living here in the, in the area, in the Secret Valley of the Inca. I'm sure you have your own personal journey, but if there is uh, there are any doubts about ancestors, I am very open. Yeah, great. <clears throat> well, one of the things you, you spoke about when you were young was this 
maybe this sense that there was a different history, there was a different story. And, and you mentioned like this, this idea that the mainstream view was this woman and when she opened her legs and urinated, this is what the, the function was serving for this thing. And uh, I, th I was either reading or, or listening to you say, you know, very similarly, like a lot of these ancient sites, often the, the narrative is that they maybe somehow served a function so that people could know the seasons so that they could better plant their crops. Mm -hmm. um, you, you often, you, you see in some of these like megalithic structures, this extremely advanced technology at the base of these places. And then almost as you progress in time that the technology seems less sophisticated, which is very contrary to, to what we've been taught, which is things always progressively get more and more advanced. And it's one of the things that really fascinates me is it seems like there's a, there, there's a, there's a story that we haven't been told. Um, so maybe just to, to kind of start, what, what would you describe as, as kind of the mainstream narrative as to what all of these things are? Because, I mean, even here in Peru, there's, I think people are taught a story, but they're drawn to come here because they, they, they see these these ancient structures, and I think whether they realize it or not, it sparks something in them. It sparks like a remembering in them that, that they're so drawn to. I mean, I think that's why Peru has so much tourism is because people come here and they realize, like, wow, there's something really special here. But the, the history that we're taught seems to be very contradictory to that. So I know this is kind of a big question, but... but could you could you speak a little bit about what that mainstream narrative history is as to like here in Peru or in other places like what are what is the general way in which people teach history uh, that kind of as you were saying simply these things were something to help people farm or to, to plant or these were kind of primitive technologies that just people built, but there wasn't really any sophistication. Uh, because it seems like, again, there's there's a history that's been taught that's, that's very different from what you're pointing to in these books. So I know, that, I know it's a big question, but could you just kind of maybe give the audience a, a little bit of like, what is the history that in general is taught? Like, how did these things uh, arise from, from the history from which we've been, been taught? Uh, you know that uh, uh, we have to do a revision of history in relation to ancestors. Okay? Um, because uh, it's been always uh, a position to uh, consider that uh, the ancestors were mostly primitives, uh, some senses. And, uh, uh, and the conflict is that remains are proving to you that they were not primitive people, that they were uh, people with great uh, understanding of life and, and technology as well. Uh, in order to do the revision, we have to uh, transform some of the paradigms that are uh, leading uh, the understanding in history by kind of scholars. Yeah? Uh, for example, there are some nations 
that they are writing the history of the planet. Some actual nations that are the responsible to write the history of the planet, the history of ancestors. The first nation writing about ancestors is the United States. All kinds of scholars are produced there. They are going to the four corners and giving interpretation, doing researches, and having conclusions. The point is that uh, one of the easy conclusions that most of those scholars, in order to understand ancestors, is that always ancestors need to be involved in two aspects, blood and slavery. Blood, because some of the scholars are fascinated in looking that uh, ancestors were primitive, and blood means uh, mostly, let's kill people in order to honor gods, uh, divine forces, and all that, because supposedly ancestors they were starving for blood of the suffering of other people, you know, because that make pleasure to their, to their gods. That's a ridiculous interpretation, but there are a lot of scholars that they have that tendency. So in order to understand history of from ancestors, blood needs to be there. If there is no blood, something is wrong. Look for blood, whatever circumstances are taking you to that conclusion. So this is one. The other one is slavery, which means, uh, you know, the previous societies they were so abusive that they were always uh, taking advantage of the simple slaves. And like that, they could uh, create all the wonders that are the evidences in our times. And all that comes probably from the mistake in the Bible in relation to the Israel people escaping from uh, the power of the Egyptians and saying, oh, because they were slaves already there. So it, it, it is a kind of a ground in that history, and that makes a misconception. So we have to remove part of that. And the problem is that uh, when that becomes official, and if that becomes official, and if into that official history, mysticism is involved, complicates the history. Because mysticism will start creating their own uh, ways to understand them, their own excuses. And because the official history cannot explain the wonders, the mysticism that can't explain, explain either would prefer to escape of that responsibility and instead of giving recognition to mastery, will escape uh, in, order, in order to say, well, if uh, Ancestors, they were not capable to do all those incredible constructions. Who did it? People coming from space or people from other kind of dimensions. And uh, we have to start giving recognition to human being. A human being is an amazing being. We have all the components to create whatever is possible in this dimension. Yeah. So, it's been a repetition of the same problems in the interpretation of history by those kind of scholars in that arena, and that becomes official. That's the problem. This is why a, the common easy interpretation in relation to astronomical approach is that uh, uh, was important for ancestors here in this land to create observatories, because like that they will know when to put their seeds, when to harvest, when to prepare the land, and all that. Which is a very simplistic interpretation, 
because I am sure that your grandparents, my grandparents or whatever grandparents, mostly they were farmers. And none of them were educated about uh, sources, equinoxes, or events like that. Uh, all of them, they knew it, <laughs> you know, when the weather were, was changing, so they didn't need to create any sophisticated instrument to measure the arrival of sources and equinoxes. Uh, so this is the simple interpretation made by simple people. This is compromising the history and saying, oh yeah, because they wanted to know. No, no, they didn't want to know that. That was from far already proven by farmers in all history that uh, you don't need to create sophisticated systems to know about that. Uh, but uh, you can create uh, these kind of observatories to uh, help human beings to change their reality, to evolve in other levels. Why? Because during the days of solstice, equinoxes, full moons and other cosmic events, there is a huge energy created in the planet. So far that if you are in the good place, the good location, the good energy, the good moment, the right timing, technically you will be affected, cosmically saying, and that will change your reality. Right now societies, they forgot about uh, those important events, but they relate to them in an external way. We are arriving to summer, we are arriving to winter, to spring, to autumn. If it's summer, let's celebrate. If it's winter, let's be sad. Because, you know, depending on the uh, latitude, uh, it will be less light. Uh, or in summer, it will be more light. Uh, let's celebrate. Or in spring. So people, they are more related in that. I'm not assuring that we are having an opportunity to be cosmic aligned. Because the planet uh, will be in alignment with the sun and with the cosmos. So masters, they were working on other level, the level to create awareness in order to receive a cosmic impact. So solar observatories were very much working in that level. This is why when you are in some of those master places, for example, in purpose, they create, they carve it on the solid rock, they carve it a throne. And simple people will say, well, look at that, a nice throne where they could sit there to have a picnic. Please, you want to have a picnic, you just sit where, wherever. You don't need to expend so much time and techniques in order to carve a throne, not only one, but multiple thrones where different kind of people could be to receive an impact. But it could be any kind of throne. So, well, maybe they wanted to sit to enjoy the landscape that's okay, but the problem is that most of those thrones are aligned to sunrise, to sunset, solstices and equinoxes. And when there are so many evidences of that, you arrive to the conclusion that these people, they were so attracted to those important days for a reason. And when I received my first solar initiation in 1992, almost, you know, 30 years ago, about that cosmic event, it provoked in me already a kind of uh, uh, rebirthing to recognize, to open my memories, my mind in other levels. It happened to me. So think about what could be happening to the creators of that. People that they did in a purpose, sit here, be here, this will affect your life in other levels. So imagine we are not facing other level of technology. 
is not only, in fact, building something, if not with a reason, how to impact not only an individual, if not a group, if not a community, if not a town. In my book, The Awakening of the Puma, after those sequence of events were happening, in 1994, I discovered one of the most difficult events. I had, in my intuition, lectured that Cusco, as ancient city, having the shape of the Puma, was not just creating an artistic town with the shape of the Puma, if not that the Puma needed to follow some kind of alignments. And I ended discovering how that works in 1994. That was a very difficult event because you are inside an enormous, a big place. How do you connect to the place? I was forced to go to the mountains before some rise here, there, there, and there. And because I am a runner, I could take that as a part of my personal uh, sportive way as well, running from that one corner to the other and like that, to follow more or less the sequence of the event. And one morning in June solstice 1994, I discovered how Cusco City, depicting the shape of the Puma, was illuminated in order. As the sun was rising, the sun was touching the head of the Puma, which is the Cusco City. And after that first illumination, again in the head, the forehead, the crown, opening, you know, the incredible uh, structures that were created in that region, which is Sacsayhuacan. After that first illumination happened, the sun will continue rising and going up and up, up and up. And it was a moment that, because the position of the sun, the beams will come to touch the tail of the puma. And when the sun will arrive to the base of the spine, each block will be illuminated in order, one after the other, after the other, after the other, as touching every magnetic center along the spine. When I discovered that event, I concluded that masters, they had a purpose to create uh, effects in people, in community, but also in an entire city. They had a global understanding. They had a universal intention to impact the planet. Not only an individual, not only the group. Even if we're not everybody, uh, ready to understand uh, all these possible changes, at least they had the chance to receive that impact. This is why Cusco was so amazing center. Cusco was the capital. And when people from other latitudes in the Andes, they were coming to Cusco during those days, they were impacted by, by, by everything that was produced in the city. So the masters, they had that ability to create without words an impacting people. And this is what masters they do. Masters are in the planet in order to affect others, to facilitate the journey of people. So the Incas, they were amazing people. Say, well, that's not only for us. We're doing it for everybody. It doesn't matter if it's not everybody who understands, but at least the energy is there. To arrive to that conclusion, you have to have a great mind. This is why when I was discovering events, I, 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 I took my hat of recognition to these people. You were amazing. In order to create that, you have to understand the mechanics in life, the mechanical aspect, how structures are working, how whether it is, uh, how to uh, use the materials that exist in the region, in the region. So, 
That's the conclusion after observing, studying, comparing, and this is one of the uh, practice that great people they do. In order to become you a specialist in something, you have to put in practice. So to put in practice is to take the best of every individual and to create a, a great society. This is why in that time, according to the records, people, they had more or less a harmonious life. Not perfect. If not, they will continue leading the destinations of the planet. But at least they had an amazing understanding of society. And uh, the evidences are revealing that uh, when the leaders, they arrive to other latitudes, to other communities, to the other ethnics, uh, to, to encountering even other groups in remote areas, they try to respect them. But in the same time, they try to give education. It was not everybody ready to receive the education, but that was not a problem. At, at least the intention was there. To respect the others, that uh, positions you in this great understanding that uh, this is what uh, uh, can transform uh, a, a group of individuals to take the best of everyone. This is why uh, they had a specialist uh, for the crops, for the constructions, for the tissues, for every aspect, uh, for the artists in general, the specialists in herbs, etc. So, if your tendency is to be a builder, become a specialist there. So the main problem in history right now, because become becomes very romantic, pretending that all ancestors they were wise people, and that was not in that way. Every one had more or less their own uh, activity, but there were people that they were the specialists of things. And there is a terrible mistake in the interpretation of history when saying how that was possible for them to lose all this ability to, to build, to be organized. There is a shamanic saying that uh, you cannot lose what you didn't have. So it's easy. Why or that? Because it was not in the hands of everybody to have the wisdom of everything. So then we have to separate. Who were the builders of, the builders of Sacsayhuaman? The cookers in that time? The specialist weavers? The singers? No. The builders of Sacsayhuaman were the masons, the architects, the engineers, the specialists working in stones and all that. And it's not difficult to understand. For example, right now you are using interesting equipment, you know, that uh, most of the people, they will not have idea how that works. But even if we select uh, some of the, those, uh, you know, different devices, probably, if you are not an engineer, you will not have an idea how that works. Even a car that right now is so popular, or an airplane that we see every day, if we're not specialists, we will not have idea how that works, you know, or the mechanical aspects. But this doesn't mean that because the majority do not understand that it's not possible to be created. That means that it will be specialists that they will manage, they will dream, they will vision, they will be alert to the minimum sign to connect, to discover, 
the mechanical aspects, the energetic aspects of all that, those devices, how to, it's possible to create. In the same way that uh, there are complex things right now in our society, in that time was similar. So there were groups of specialist builders for that, specialists to understand the type of stone, the complexity of the, all those materials, the tools that they needed to use, uh, etc. So then it's time to start giving recognition to a human being. And uh, this doesn't mean that uh, we have to neglect uh, what the universe in the eternity, the infinite, offers us possibilities. Pretending that we are the only ones in this amazing universe, that would be a terrible mistake. But this doesn't mean that we don't we need some other superior intelligences to come to teach us how that works at home. Because evolution is taking us to that aspect. Then it's time to start giving recognition. Then I, I, I prefer to honor human being, accept. Even extraterrestrial existence, absolutely yes. That's not a problem. I will need them to come to help to teach us how to build this. You know, the table that we have, uh, that's, a, that's a problem. And mysticism creates a terrible mistake because they are not capable to do themselves, uh, to open their minds themselves, to understand something else in human capabilities that they prefer to escape of that uh, attitude and give responsibility to others. I don't need to go into that, that path because it was proven to myself that we are amazing people. As our ancestors, they were amazing. Right now, we have amazing people creating amazing things. And that will be not ending. As we continue in this process of evolution, sure that uh, with our mind capabilities, we will continue creating things. Then, in relation to ancient architecture, the ancient technologies, you have to have examples. And here in the Andes, in Cusco, uh, in Machu Picchu, we have examples about uh, constructions, about transportation, about uh, all aspects. So then you have conclusions. You don't need to escape of that. Uh, it's very simple when I am teaching to people in the master places, uh, similar questions are coming, saying, oh, how they build that? And I read that uh, uh, to build Sacsayhuaman with enormous uh, pieces, uh, single stones uh, with 100 tons, 130 tons, the, big, the biggest uh, pieces calculated according to the specialist uh, uh, that they uh, took those stones from, from 100 miles far from the location where it is right now. Totally wrong. Totally wrong. You know, Sacsayhuaman was built with limestone. And limestone exists in all the vicinity. You don't need to bring from far. It's just there. And most of the stones that are already there were already in situ, were part of the mother rock. They shape it, they cut it, they adapt it, and they create amazing sophisticated structure. Who built that? The cookers? No. The specialist uh, weavers? No. The singers? The artists? The herbalists? No. Who built that? The ones who were specialists uh, as builders. Engineers, architects, uh, you know, masons in general, calculating and giving a pos astronomical position as well. 
So the, we have to start honoring those specialists. Uh, there are other amazing examples. In the region of Ollanta y Tango, when you arrive to the upper part of this amazing center, uh, the archaeological area, you discover amazing rocks. Those kind of rocks uh, are different than the ones in Sacsayhuana. It's a red porphyro family of uh, other amazing rocks, uh, solid, that exist in the region of Machu Picchu, but doesn't exist uh, in the vicinity, existing the quarry, which is uh, a few miles far from there, but in the same way that the origin for those type of rocks are in front in the mountain that you can see, okay? You see the quarry there. You say, oh, it's from there that they took the rocks that we have right now here. What happened is that uh, from the quarry to the ending where they were building the temple, you have more pieces on the way, carved already, which means that they were transporting in a mechanical way. Of course, we don't have all the answers. Yes, I agree with that. Eh? But it's been proven uh, right now that doing an organized mechanical effort with tools that we could create uh, making a parallel to what materials existed in the time, in the past. Sure, right now was proven that they could transport, uh, you know, for a certain distance with uh, not much expertise as it was in the past. And they did it with examples, saying, oh, look at that, how that can work. And they did it. Then, uh, 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 that would be so contradictory to say, look at that, uh, because me or you, I don't know your expertise, but myself, or other people like me, they cannot move a rock one meter, conclusion nobody can, that would be a terrible conclusion. I prefer to give responsibility to those specialists, how they live, because the evidences of transporting the rocks from the quarry to that location, from here to here, pieces are on the way. If pieces are on the way, that means that it was a mechanical way that they were using to transport the pieces here. But even if this, for most of the mystics, it's something that is not possible for them, they prefer for us to say, no, they transported with alien forces. I'm very sorry, the evidences are there. I don't want to go against the evidences. And it's even more simple to understand about that part. You know Machu Picchu for sure, yes? And do you remember the type of material that they used to build the walls, the observatories or, or everything, the type of stone? Do you remember the, which type of stone is that? Is it limestone? Granite. It's granite. It's granite. You know, uh, during the, the 60s, the 70s, when the pictures of Machu Picchu became so amazing and people from the sea level, they were observing Machu Picchu and the pictures were showing that we're parking the mountains in between and all that. People from the sea level said, wow, look at that. From where they brought those stones over there. Imagine, you, you are in the canyon, the second river, and you have a part of the hill where is the city of Machu Picchu and you have all the mountains around. But when you do the picture, say, wow, look at that. From where they took all the stones to build the city? And this is a classic question that most of people, they are doing. And this is a terrible wrong question. Why? 
because the stones in Machu Picchu they didn't bring from anything, from anywhere. Only existing situ. All the area is granite. They took what existed there to co-create the city, shaping to the geographical formations, and like that create an amazing city with granite. And because of granite and because of quarries that exist, uh, I named the city the Crystal City of Machu Picchu because the material, because the vibration that produced all that material. So did they took the stones from far away? Not at all. But anyway, that kind of interpretation is so common, so popular that I receive it. In, I've been in Machu Picchu probably uh, more than 1,000 times because this is part of the work that I do. I go to different places as part of my, my, my work. Then, in all these times, it's been for sure near 50% of times, in my personal experience, that people ask me from, they, they, from where they took those stones. Wrong question, because they didn't bring the stones from nowhere. We're already in situ. So, when you have that experience, faced to the sea level understanding from the mystic approach and all that, eh? of course you see that it's totally wrong how they are interpreting history, that they didn't need to bring from anywhere, even going further. Easy to understand for the people of uh, your community and for the ones who will be having the chance to, 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 to see and to listen to what we are sharing here. Um, the type of stone in Sacsayhuaman is limestone. The type of stone in Machu Picchu is granite. The type of stones in Rachi, the temple of Wiracocha, the majesty temple created to the great spirit Wiracocha, which kind of stone do you think is that? Uh, it's volcanic, volcanic stone. Look at that, uh, to easily understand that. Why they didn't use volcanic stones in Machu Picchu? Because it doesn't exist. Why they didn't use granite here in the quantity that is needed to make a city or a community or a, or a big temple? No, because it doesn't exist granite here. Why they didn't use granite in Rachi, the temple of Wiracocha? Because they have basalt, they have volcanic stones. That was proving that ancestors, they were very practical people. But the mysticism, when it's not educate, create double mistakes in relation to the misinformation, in relation to the mystic approach. Understanding as well that when we are talking about the mysticism, we have to learn to separate. Mysticism is related to everything that is mysterious, everything that you cannot explain. If you cannot explain, so it's mysterious. So the base of mysticism is to be mysterious. But when you have the evidences, when you have clarity about that, that's not anymore mysticism. It's not anymore a mystical thing. It's a practical thing. Your esoteric journey is something that you experience yourself. It's your journey. It's something that proven to you. It has nothing to do with something that you are not exploring or you are giving responsibility to the unknown. We don't have all the answers, agreeing that. Eh? But at least in your personal answers, you have your, your testimony. And that's proven to you that how that works. So this is your spiritual journey. It has nothing to do with the mystic, romantic, 
misinterpretation about a lot of things. And the mysticism is affecting queen mysticism approach history as a problem, because then it becomes all the uh, mis-transformation, the interpretation in terrible wrong positions. It's like the Grand Piano. You know, the mystic approach concluded that the builders of the pyramids were superior beings, superior people, or even aliens. But of course not. You know, it's just masters. Masters, they've been always exceptional people. Masters, they were always outside of the ordinary understanding. And this is what's happening right now. I am, I am amazed for what human being is creating in uh, all these mechanical things and uh, that we use right now. Uh, this is why you have the correct uh, conclusion. Normally, evolution shouldn't go back. And mysticism is interpreting that how come that ancient amazing technology was lost and right now we are not capable to do what they did. Of course that we are capable to do everything that exists and that we can see. Of course, yes, we can do that. The only thing is that it will cost a lot of money and we will need incredible genius people, eccentric ones as well, to create what the ancestors did. And when you go to some of the places, in the mountains, for example, here, and uh, we have some evidences of these uh, great constructions that they did, when you arrive to the very top of a mountain, led by the uh, ancient Inca trails or the Andean trails, and you arrive to the, to the end, when you arrive there saying, what else? You arrive it's just to a nice peak, the nice view, you see the landscape and all that, and say, why to do all that for that? That's over? That's not over. That's the beginning of your personal journey. These people, they wanted to create in you the personal transformation, the metamorphosis of your life. So those places are creating the energy for you to jump of the ordinary thing. Amazing. Of course, that right now with the understanding in the techniques of meditation, you can conquer part of all that personal journey, for sure, yes. But these masters, they wanted to offer that chance even to the non-educated people, if they were open enough. This is why Cusco was capital in the past. When pilgrims, they were coming, sure that they were guiding, saying right now, position on those streets, sun is going to rise. Honor Taitai, honor the great sun. Not because the sign is God. No, no, it's because that can create an impact in you if you are in the right moment. So the Cusco city, as capital, that was an amazing place to provoke that shift in the opening, in the conquering yourself. And to produce that in a massive way, it's amazing. I was really surprised for that great vision of these people. Then, in relation to the ancient technologies, to really understand, we are amazing people, and we can create all that. That everything you see that somebody interprets that right now we are not capable to do that, that's wrong. We are capable to do that and much more. Can you imagine that uh, if in the past, in the time of your grandparents, 
somebody will be saying, look at that. It will be a moment that people they could be creating islands in the ocean. So people will say, no, are you crazy? How are you going to create an island in the ocean? You know what they are doing through engineering in Dubai or in other places on the planet. But for that, you need uh, to spend a lot of money, the energy on, in our time, and a lot of eccentric people to <laughs> realize their goals or their dreams to do that. Uh, and like that, oh, there are amazing things that are created. Uh, or, you know, the metallic birds that would be flying over the planet like the airplanes. You know, all that would be just fantasy. But no, it was not fantasy. This is part of the journey. Then, uh, human evolution is taking us, and for sure that if we don't see, if we're not having time to see that, maybe the next generations, the, you know, uh, journeys uh, outside of the planet, but uh, the reality is being already tourism around the planet, uh, you know, it's being already part of that. Uh, it costs a lot of money right now, yeah, but this is the, it's the process of, of evolution. It will be in the future probably easy ways to do that. And the vibration of people will change as well, the understanding of people. And I have clear understanding about the ancient technology. Even if myself I am not capable to do, my conclusion is that the specialists, they, they can. Uh, denying that, it will be going against the evidences that we have there. And uh, Machu Picchu is an amazing city. Machu Picchu probably represents the big uh, lesson, the big class for people. Why? Because the uh, European culture of that time never arrived there to destroy the city. So it stays as if the evidences how our ancestors, they had the vision of a city. This is why it's so valuable. And Cusco, unfortunately, because that was the capital, that was impacted. And most of, you know, those Europeans of that time uh, didn't have the understanding, the interest to take advantage of that technological and that organization. And, but even now, the remains that we have in the city are amazing. And the distribution of the uh, urban aspect of the city can give you understanding conclusions about the vision of ancestors. Uh, then the Incas, they were an amazing society. Yeah. Not perfect. This is why they are not here anymore in that cultural and spiritual advanced uh, proposal for the planet. But the remains are there. And right now we know incredibly how they were working and then what they wanted. Unfortunately, the new administrations of the places are limiting you to have an inner journey fully as we had in the past. I had uh, opportunities and chances to do incredible things. And I have testimony and evidences, pictures, records of all that. Uh, and uh, it's part of my mission, continue writing and sharing more about other aspects of uh, this society. But we have clarity about uh, all that. Then uh, I hope that uh, uh, that gave you, to the audience, uh, you know, all the vision about uh, part of that technology. So, which is not uh, something necessarily extraterrestrial, understanding nothing to do with our brothers and sisters cosmically. They are there, they always been there. We are part of this cosmic heritage. We are descendants of all this cosmic influence. 
have nothing to do with that, okay? So don't confuse. But uh, what we have here in the planet is being built by ancestors, by genes, and uh, remains out there. Do you think part of the difficulty in, in, in really understanding or interpreting these things is that most of the people coming to it are coming from a very particular cosmovision, and so it's very difficult to to look at something if you're not also immersed in that cosmovision. So when you come upon something, you look at it through the lens of the world that you know. So much like you described, like the throne, the only cosmovision that maybe someone has to that is, oh, well, that's a place you sit for a picnic or... Um, much like you said, maybe this idea of like the, the personal journey, the, the, the personal evolutionary process, that, that maybe in many cultures that's been lost. There, there's not maybe as much of an emphasis on that. Even like I was thinking in Europe, I mean, even historically, there was, we, we passed through a period called the Dark Ages, where things took on this dark quality. That, that the personal connection that maybe existed prior to that in, in the Greek culture is where there were these like very direct spiritual mystic experiences that seemed like society really uh, honored and, and had places where people could go for this. But then we passed through a period where it was just kind of authoritarian or whatever the Pope says or the religious person says that's... And, and in a way, kind of cut people off from maybe these more direct experiences. Even like in the East, I mean, we were speaking about yoga. I mean, that was, there was kind of a reformation in that idea too of like Vedanta, which is uh, trying to go beyond like all of the form and, and taking all of the form in a literal sense as if there's a million gods and each one has its, instead of understanding the essence of it, like, what is the oneness behind that? Uh, so maybe when people are coming to these sites, do you think that's where a lot of the confusion is? Is because if people haven't maybe had that direct experience or, or able to see the world in a different way, the only way we can interpret things is through our own vision, through our own worldview. And it's, it's very difficult for people to see it from any other lens. You know that uh, uh, humans are very special people. Uh, and the goal is uh, for you to be healthy, not be starving, and protect your life. So there are some kind of natural conditions for all kind of individual. We have to learn to control the needs of our life. And the needs are more or less following a kind of sequence, which is a natural order. First, you have to have food. If you are eating, you can survive. This is the first aspect. The second aspect is to have a shelter. If you have a place where you can preserve your life and the one of your family members, you start feeling some stability. After you have uh, food and shelter, you need to assure in order for you and your family 
and the other family and other families to be connected, personal transportation, to define a ways to become stronger and stronger. And uh, after this regular process of evolution that could take, uh, you know, generations, it's not from one day to the other, generations, because in the beginning, probably people, they needed just to eat, uh, to survive, whatever they could find, chasing, hunting, taking the, 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 the seeds, the fruits, or whatever, exposing themselves to the poisonous things or whatever, until the moment that they will learn what to take. And after uh, being in the caves, after being under a tree, they discovered that uh, they could use uh, a mechanical work in order to create a shelter, you know, a house. And after that, to assure integrity and uh, to become uh, stronger as members, to unite uh, one neighbor to the other, and after that, you needed to integrate all of them, communication. So, when you are in this process of evolution, you will start discovering that individuals in the same time, they like to be separated because they are individuals. No? <laughs> this is part of our nature. When I am traveling, uh, I've been in other nations, uh, it's, been a, it's been a few times that they asked me, Malku, uh, we are introducing you tonight to the public. Uh, in order to introduce you correctly to this public, uh, please uh, let us know uh, from which tribe are you coming from to introduce you to the public. I said, well, let me introduce myself, because fortunately for the tribes, or unfortunately for the tribes, I am not descendant of any of them, because I am a descendant from a society, which is totally different. A tribal practice is a tribal, is a practice of survival taking the seeds, the roots, the resources from one area, and after finishing the resources in that area, let's move somewhere else. Let's finish the resources over there. Let's move somewhere else. Let's finish there. It will return here. So it will be a cycle, so surviving. But when tribal groups are meeting, probably, probably, it's a possibility that one will be suggesting, oh, how many we will do in that way? Or we will do in that way, they will arrive to a conclusion a commune sense of things, uh, then they will start creating the basis of community. Community is the first step of evolution for human beings in order to understand that we are ready to share, that we are ready to learn and to teach. That was the first step of human evolution in a bigger scale. And when a community is meeting another community, another community, another community, another community, they will create the base for society. No excuse to any model of society, understand that? No, no excuse. But this is what the natural order will be taking for, the process of evolution. In a society, what you are discovering in a society? Something unique, something special. A society offers to you what? A specialization. Because in a society, you will be meeting you know, the architect, the engineer, the doctor, the herbalist, the singer, the weaver, whatever. All of them will be part of the society, and society should teach all of us to respect one to the other. If we arrive to that conclusion, we will create as possible an organized and harmonious society. But humans, we are there not perfect. So far, that when ancestors, they were discovering other latitudes, 
when they were adventuring in other parts of the mountains, and they were discovering that remains were there from older people, that they are not anymore there, but their remains are there, here, there, over there, over there, over there, the leaders, they arrived at conclusions for sure, saying, wow, look at that, no more evidences of humans here, but uh, what they built are here. Probably all that will happen to us. If this is happening to us, it's important to prepare. It's important to co-create in order to preserve wisdom, expertise. Machu Picchu was one of those places. And some other places that probably are still remote, not accessible for many people. And why all that? Because the process of evolution will take also to understand that we are different. And in the same position that when you are creating something beautiful, something to help nature and you integrating to be in harmony, and you would like to share with others, back then you will understand that is not everybody ready to respect that, ready to preserve what you are creating. And by nature, you will start separating, saying, listen, you are very welcome here, people in the understanding of that, people who vibrate with me or with the gold or what we have here, and you will separate already. That can be a negative, negative aspect in human behavior. We can conclude that yes, but in the same time that no, understanding that all of us, we are different. Which means that uh, to be looking for a harmonious life is not the goal of everybody. It will be some other people that they will prefer to have a kind of control or power for themselves, taking advantage of the others and making others suffering. And that starts problem. When everything is okay and nobody complains, it's fine. But as soon as somebody starts complaining, let's try to fix the problem. So in a society which is prosperous in harmony, in violence, we have to remove, remove complaints as possible. But because we are humans and we're not perfect, it will be always situations. Huh? Then, uh, by nature, we will be somehow separating, saying, oh, this group, they are not ready to understand that. This is why the, the Inca people, when they were inviting other representatives from different communities, from different ethnics, to show it in Cusco's capital, because Cusco was the center, and they were invited to see and to also bring whatever was important to them that they could take advantage of. Most of these people, they were surprised for, and probably when they were coming to Cusco, they were so impressed, saying, look at that, they are like gods. Because when you are facing Saksai woman, you know, when you see all that, say, wow, who can create that? I don't want to compete against these people because they are the creators of that. They are having an amazing technology to do all that. But anyway, also, the attitude was to separate. Why do you think that Machu Picchu was never discovered by the Westerns? Because the Inca masters, they hide the city. Because the Inca masters didn't teach to their own family members about the location of Machu Picchu. Because this is how life it is. Probably, not judge, but probably you, in this spiritual journey, in this shamanic approach that you are in life, probably the members of your family are not following that or not understanding that. 
as well in my own family, as well in most of the family of the individual is having a kind of, is becoming an outsider of the vision of their own parents. So if that happens in our own reality, imagine in the past as well. It was not everything perfect, of course not. It was not everything in harmony, of course not. They had their own challenges. This is why when they were creating places, that was to assure the people who would have the understanding to be invited to participate. Even if they had the understanding, let's open to everybody. But as soon as those are not ready to understand, if they are good farmers, continue being working on the on the on the land. If they are good weavers, continue doing the best textiles that is possible. So they were separating activities. And by the leaders, they understood what happened already to previous civilizations could happen to us. If so, let's prepare the best of our own wisdom. It's why Machu Picchu and so the remote areas were so isolated. And when the Christians of that time arrived to this land, the masters in the vicinity of Machu Picchu, they concluded that in order to preserve the place, they needed to destroy the access. They needed to destroy any evidence to get there. And like that, when the Christians, they positioned themselves in this land and they were forcing the individuals, the native people, to reveal the location of places, they never showed Machu Picchu because they didn't know. That conclusion that they didn't know showed to us that even in that time they separated. They said, listen, we can be all same relatives because we are from this community. But unfortunately, are not all having the same goal. This is why these need to be separated to be preserved. It could be an egoistic conclusion, probably yes, but this is how humans we are. And I am very sure if you will create something unique in the valley, can you imagine if a group of individuals are coming just to start drinking and start destroying and leaving trash wherever, you will say, sorry, as once in that's okay, because I didn't know, but second time now, regulations will be this. It's a natural thing, you know, this is, this is how it happens. Then, in relation to the past, for sure that the other civilizations, because before Christianity, and even when Christianity was uh, taking the direction of the old uh, world, European, it showed that were isolated groups of people, that they were following, respecting nature, they were training themselves, uh, and they understood that uh, uh, misconceptions, uh, doctrination in radical positions uh, are dominant, uh, and they were outside of that dominant uh, manipulation uh, in the belief system or whatever, and they tried to preserve and to transmit to the closest people. And that survived part of that ancient wisdom some, somehow. That is not, uh, you know, a spirit that is guiding all humankind. Now we have clear, it's been always like that in history. There are always individuals that they prefer to take advantage of others. And there are masters that they want to help. But uh, it's not easy to arrive to everybody. There are people that they have already a manipulation, a mental thing, so far that transformer, that is not easy. Then, or you become a hero, or you become a soldier of light. Remembering that a hero dies for one, dies for two.
survive. The mission of the planet is to transform the planet. It's possible. Then become a soldier of light. If you are a soldier of light, you will know when to stop, when to stop, and like that, uh, to make alliance in order to create strong communities and to better maybe impact the planet. It's a, it's a big work that we have to do. But uh, again, it is not that, that all the ancestors, uh, druids, uh, that all the ancestors, yogis, uh, uh, you know, were uh, expanding their wisdom and techniques to everywhere. No, no, no. If you, if you take India that you mentioned as, as an example, the yogi movement and all that, do you think, uh, is very sure, is very sure, what some people commented already, that you have more yoga uh, centers in New York than in New Delhi. This is what, the, you know, the records are showing, more or less. Thing is not because uh, is there probably the acceptance that the yoga and meditation thing came from that. Uh, that means that all the Hindu, uh, you know, population was involved in that, but was involved probably in religiosity. That has nothing to do with the spirituality. And then you have to understand that uh, religion has not, nothing to do with, with the spirit. And this is probably another terrible mistake, the confusion that uh, religion takes us to manifest, you know, peace or uh, evolution. Not at all. But the spirituality, for sure, yes. Then I don't see that uh, all ancestors were wise enough. I don't see that all ancient civilizations integrally they were the wisdom keepers of something, not at all. They were groups separated, as here. Machu Picchu here is the clear example. Machu Picchu was for the chosen people, for the select ones, not for everybody. Not even for their own brothers. If you have that as an example, that's a reality. And right now is the romantic thing, you know, because everybody deserves. We want maybe to have that romantic approach that everybody deserves when they do their best to deserve that. But uh, there are people that they don't do their best. I am living in a community here. How many times with our team we were walking around in order to claim all what other members of community were putting as trashes, plastics and other things in nature? Everybody deserves Yes, but they are not everybody who is acting in order to, to receive, uh, you know, everything. Then uh, it's a question of the individual. Then uh, the, the problem in the planet now is religion. Religion is being manipulating. Religion became the lies of corporation, the lies of politicians. Then that's the problem, and they are taking control of you know the mentality of people. Then I see that. Uh, we need to reinforce community in the spiritual path, in the shamanic understanding, which is to be close of nature, to try to be coherent in life. That seems like a real issue, and, and I think something in, in kind of these, for lack of better words, spiritual communities, that, that people do tend, as you said very beautifully, that there is this there is this paradox that 
in the eyes of God are oneness. We, we all are all one. We are all children of God. But that doesn't mean we're all equal. And I think a lot of people take that almost as like a discriminatory thing, but, but it, takes, it takes away any free will of, of, of someone. Like, as you said, these geniuses who built these, these things, that, that, that took a certain dedication, a mindset, a, a practice. Um, and kind of, as you were mentioning, do, you know, even I think when we look at, at, at politics and things, we, we see a lot of that. There's a certain indoctrination to a certain worldview that, that does seem to be used for control. Do you think some of the um, the remedies of that is is a like a decentralization, a going back to to community, to to family, towards the the knowledge we have at this local level, to to to, to really focus more on on the surrounding where we're at, and and really put our effort there rather than maybe these more like global levels because it seems like the it's this interesting thing where as the world does get smaller our sphere of influence seems to get bigger and bigger and even our, our, our minds our thoughts are more in these global levels uh, but at the same time as you were saying there's this natural tendency of the individual or to separate to to move into communities and it seems like we're at this interesting point in the evolution of life where maybe these two opposing forces are, there, there's some sort of friction in there. You know, even as we're doing now, I mean, this is being broadcast out to you know, hopefully a lot of people, but um, it, it's something that never in, in least recent history that's ever been possible. And, uh, you know, I think even like the interest in all of these things, it's, something that maybe for the first time we have access to all of this information and yet at the same time maybe we're losing um, the, the locality as you were saying this natural separation that's also really vital to life well uh, my personal journey started very early in my life or didn't start at all because I, I was already there it was not uh, kind of a natural thing to, to think about uh, of a, a universal thing and spiritual or the energy of nature, my personal search. So I, I didn't have a kind of mentor saying like that beside nature, beside the spirit. Even if I met many people in life uh, to some that I can give recognition because they are amazing guidance, you know, my main teachers were always nature. Yeah. And uh, then we have to be careful because uh, a, all this that we are sharing has always been there beside the different unique aspects of uh, uh, ancestors in relation to this land, for example, that I can talk. I cannot talk about uh, the Maya thing, the Egyptian thing, because I will need to stay longer in order to feel. But here, of course, I've been so many times and I am here that I have an expertise about uh, what is this land. Uh, but in relation to spirit, uh, it's always been there. It's not that it's the first time that people they are having access to that. It's always been there. The point was that you were ready to look for that or not. Literature, since the 
60s, 70s, 80s, it's been there, you know, 90s. But it's not been always everybody there looking for that. And that's been a separation. This is why it's been always a kind of exclusive thing, you know, looking for different therapies, a different approach for natural life and all that. It's been, it's been there, at least in, 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 my, in my experience, because I always been, I was related to that. But when people, they are not related to that, and right now, you know, through the stream and all that, it seems that, look at that, I have access to that. Of course, we have access in other level. And probably, it's becoming more intense, because it's been almost two years that people, they were restricted. Uh, one year almost restricted to go out, to be, you know, in one single place, no move, because uh, the society, the politicians, and the governments were creating a kind of planetary jail for people in order to impact them or in order to provoke other kind of diseases for people to live uh, without pointing to any responsible, because that was very subtle how they did it. You know? Anyway, I see that right now we cannot stop anymore to be as an individual. As I concluded more than 30 years ago, when I stopped living in my tree, understanding that I cannot be happy alone. When I concluded that, I said, no, because I am a member of society. Because Anyway, if I pretend to be in my tree happy, nature will be affecting me because somebody will be interfering with what the, the planet uh, could be affected by irresponsible actions of humans. Then I reform and I start giving recognition to the expertise of people making pants, making a shirt or whatever. I'm not saying, wow, that's an amazing planet that we should learn to live in harmony, creating. But right now, we cannot stop anymore isolating us because all conditions force us to become global and even farther, as our ancestors visioned, to be universal. Understanding that we are not alone, that we are connected cosmically, will give you the other practice, the other energetic level because in the deepest part, when you don't have all the tools to administrate your life, your health, your economy, or whatever, if you don't have uh, the tools in your hand, sometimes you will have the guidance to invoke for additional forces, for the cosmic intelligence, for the intelligence of Pachamama, Mother Earth, to help you. So, which means that you are not isolated. That's having a universal approach. But in order to arrive to that level, the easy aspect to get there is always going to be understanding that we are a global community. And in this global community, uh, we still have irregularities because somehow we are just individuals as members and we don't have all the strength and the power that is needed to affect that in a fastest way on the planet. Right now, the planet is administered by a, a group of people that they are so abusive 
that they want to have the planet uh, as an amazing paradise just for, for themselves. And the planet has amazing space for everybody. And there is so much uh, uh, hypocrisy pretending to say announce about the population that we are so many people and we have to reduce population because there are so many people and the resources of the planet are going to disappear. You know, in the position that we are right now, if the societies will be so well organized, everything will be better. It's a question of organization and education. I see that it's so, uh, the hypocrisy is so big in that aspect, saying, oh, you know, we don't have ways to control population. It's growing and growing and growing. What are you talking about? It's a question of education. Because we are not in the time uh, that sexuality was uh, as a result, uh, natural result, uh, to have procreation. That ended already the, the past century. Right now, sexuality is part of the amazing rediscovery about our potential. And when you discover all that potential of the sexual energies, education is missing in order to teach people that it's not because you are having a sexual approach that you are having as a result of bringing a baby to the planet. So there are ways of technological inner aspects that you can implement in your life in order to use that energy correctly and not necessarily being procreating all the time. But all this goes against dominant religion, Dogma, fanatism, control, and all that. And there are two dominant religions in the planet that are compromising all these kind of educational ways. You know, <laughs> there are radical groups in the planet that they think that sex is only for procreation. There are other radical groups, which are big groups, big societies, thinking that sex is only for the men's pleasure. You know? It's a question of education. Masters were very unique in that way, taking advantage of sexual energy and all that. So we have to do a revision of all those aspects. We cannot go back pretending that uh, you are having control of yourself uh, as an individual or even creating a family that you don't care about what is moving around. We're wrong. This will be affecting us. Weak communities thinking that uh, you will survive being a weak community, that's wrong. You have to become a strong community, powerful community, and united with others. Right now, what is beautiful is that even you coming from abroad, and even people, wherever they are, we can become connected. We don't need to be being neighbors, physically saying, we are uh, creating a global community. And these new systems that we have right now are tools. So we have to take advantage of that technological way to provoke, you know, to create the new conditions for uh, mental awareness of people, to really awaken of all this conditioning, because we want uh, better things for the planet and for our descendants. New generations, they need to receive some support. If not, they were pointing us, look at these stupid grandparents that they were not capable to do what was needed. So we need to become strong as our ancestors they were. They had goals, they had projects, they pointed that and they tried to realize. In order for the projects to work, they need to call the specialists on different arenas and be part of this amazing project that we have in mind. And 
we, we have to really move faster because uh, the other side is manipulating time. I've been accused in different stream productions in order to not being humanistic in the way that uh, accepting all the shots that were inoculating to people in the past time, even now. And recently in Europe, uh, one of the uh, members of all these uh, shots production gave recognition that was never tested. And because I was positioning myself that certain decisions is in your hands, that you have to act personally, but not being as a result of the manipulation, I was pointed and accused and, you know, it's a radical thing. So what do what you want? To have all this as the people sitting in your own table and accusing you or, or you need to co-create a global community with free people visioning uh, other world like you and many others that we are active in the planet. I think uh, we have a fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a fight in the planet. And, and uh, I see that uh, all this is helping to motivate others. And then in that way, we are becoming a global community. A universal understanding. And this is what our ancestors, they vision. I honor very much that. Then more books are coming. I want to work in that, sure. More production like that to motivate other people. Absolutely, yes. Uh, teaching in situ in the master places as possible to the people coming. This is one of the main works that I do. Uh, the shamanic approach to all that as well. Because shamanism is a beautiful tool which is helping you to integrate nature. To accept, accept it, giving recognition to yourself. And uh, being in tune with the beauty, the majesty of Pachamama. I am very much in that. The main teachings that we do is in relation to that. Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. I, I, I'm, I'm of the same view that, that I think there, that there is a very big manipulation going on. And, and, and maybe it's always been going on. Maybe it's that classic duality of that, that battle between the, the light and the dark. And, and I think a big part of that, even as you speak about in this book, like this idea of like the huku pacha and the kai pacha, the hanuk pacha, it's like it's very important that, that as individuals we, we really go into those realms and, and really look like at our own darkness and our own fears and our own division. Because if we don't, it's very easy to get caught in the winds of what's going on in the world. And, and I think from that place of fear, it's it's so easy to get lost and. And I think that is a really big part of these shamanic paths, is really going in and, and looking at ourselves so that we, as you said, we, we can be a warrior of light and to stand on principle and, you know, all of, all of this amazing knowledge that's, that, that's all of ours. It's our birthright and it's, it's been pointed to in so many of these cultures. And, and when we forget that, it's very easy, I think, to be overcome by the, 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 the mariación de la vida. The dizziness that, that it's so easy to, to fall into. Kind of coming back full circle, we, we started talking about the, the documentary, the, the Revelation of the Pyramids, and one of the, the premises of that book was that all over the world you see these, these very advanced technologies, I mean incredible archaeoastrology, a, a very deep understanding of, of 
cosmology, at the star systems of time and space, which I think is even fascinating. And I think you were speaking about this in here, like even the idea of Pachamama, it's not just the earth, it's also this idea of time and space. And, and, and you see this in a lot of these cultures, like in Egypt with these pyramids and you know, many other places in Indonesia now, they're, they're finding them. Uh, other places in the Americas, like you mentioned, the Aztecs. Or do you have a sense of because it seemed like the premise of this documentary, which was that there was maybe an older culture or something in the past that that actually was connecting all of these things, not just geographically, astrologically, but but a culture or a people that, that actually had a knowledge of the world and were building these things, not just in alignment with the, the locality, but actually a global alignment and, and a relationship to the stars. Do you, do you have any sense of that uh, based on, on what you've studied here? Anything that, that points you and... Well, life in our planet is unique. The, it's been a process of evolution of different kind of species and all that. Um, um, right now, for example, is a big uh, still discussion uh, in relation to uh, the climb and all that. And uh, two weeks ago, I was in a community that we passed overnight because we were exploring some beautiful areas. And some of the indigenous people, as I was walking with, uh, mentioned that uh, uh, that they were, uh, you know, as a news coming to them, saying, ah, and, and later or soon we are going to start fighting for the water. You know, uh, there is not um, water that is going to disappear from our planet. Uh, or... Uh, uh, increasing in enormous disproportion, the water that is in our planet is the water that has been there for thousands of years and will be there for thousands of years more until a cosmic event uh, will affect the proportion of the water that we have in the planet. Then uh, our planet uh, manifests a unique life. And in our planet, the home that we have now in this existence, we are. And we are not the result of a regular process of evolution from the species, plants, animals, and, and from the monkey, voila, human being appeared. Yeah. The monkey will continue to be the monkey. For eons, the monkey will be there forever until cosmic impact or manipulation will interfere for the monkey to start showing a human genetic thing. Which means that humans, they've been planted here in the planet. And as humans, we've been planted here in the planet. It's very ridiculous the position that some of the scholars, they are having the tendency to point that the origin of human species is in Africa that uh, nowhere else humans were, started everything in Africa. Our planet suffered already geographic impacts in different millennia. 
so far that the geographic locations were different uh, as the planet was evolving. So far that humans didn't start only in Africa, if not all over. But all over as well, we will have different needs. And according to the needs that we have, we need to accommodate our lives. If you will be in the tropical area on the beach, probably you will be mostly naked all the time because temperatures and we cannot uh, be using jackets and all that or the kind of houses we have uh, because reality will be not uh, allowing us to have a personal a kind of behavior in relation to, to that reality. But if we will be in the mountains, you will need to create other kind of regulations, natural economy, in order to protect your life. So, if that's reality in our planet, uh, it will be a, a simple conclusion to think that uh, human uh, discovery had only one root, if not all possible, you know, human aspects to discover their own reality. So far that, for example, in relation to what you mentioned, I don't know if you've been in Egypt, but uh, when you are arriving to Giza, from far, from far, if you don't have idea, for example, last first time, happened to me the first time, when I was approaching to Giza, I saw far away a mountain. I start thinking about a mountain here. I ask to the local companion, is that a mountain? But that was far, okay? It was not 100 meters, that was far. That's, is that a mountain? I said, no, 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 that's the, the pyramids. Pyramids. Of course, I knew it about the pyramids, but uh, that was so, when you are in the desertic area, the light, in depending on the hour, is the fog or the dust or whatever that makes a kind of composition that uh, amazed me seeing that in that flat desertic area a kind of mountain was there. Better saying a pyramid. Amazing. A few. Amazing. What are the mountains? The mountains are natural pyramids. What's a pyramid? A pyramid is a geometrical structure that because their formation absorbs the energy from Earth and receives the energy from Heaven. Which means that a pyramid or a mountain is a vortex. And that vortex is linking energy from Earth and Heaven. And here we have all over. So far, that our ancestors here, they were not forced to create any pyramid because all mountains are natural pyramids. In Egypt, so you don't have mountains. Of course, creating a vortex in order to absorb the energy from Earth and Heaven, if they had the technology to do and the masters, they understood that thing, let's do it. That's an amazing conclusion when they arrived to do this. Wow, that's a vortex. And inside this vortex, we can create chambers and other things, passages in order for us to create shifting consciousness. Let's do it. It's the same thing, the same conclusion, when you arrive to the top of a mountain after following an ancient trail, ends there. 
simple people will arrive to conclude, this is it, this is over. No, that's the beginning of something else. But for that, you have to be in the perfect moment, the shift, the awareness from, so wow, boom, there's a shift here happens. These guys, they provoke that in me. The pyramid provokes that in people too. Of course, people, they will think, but it's only for one, for two, for 10, for, for 100. No, the pyramids radiate. Here, the mountains radiate. I had so many people in the past years, even now, even not landing yet here, and they start crying. Probably some people mm -hmm. commented that to you, as they were already in the airplane, Everyone's landing in Cusco and they start the emotions, vortexes. So masters, they were amazing people because they understood that, uh, they felt that, say, wow, let's take advantage of those vortex. Let's increase our potential. Let's have the understanding of life, what we can do. So that was amazing. So in Egypt, you don't have mountains, you create you increase that vortex in order to absorb energy from Earth and Heaven. That radiates to everywhere around possible. And if you are inside. In the shamanic training, it's the same. In order to see a mountain, you have to be far away. In order to feel the mountain, you have to be in it. You have to be on the mountain. And I am sure when you are in the top of a mountain, you say, wow, I am the one. I am here. Look at that. And you don't need a mentor, you don't need a guide. The energy is moving, saying, wow, thank you, Pachamama. So all those aspects are creating or preparing you for another level of your life. In that aspect, uh, sure, uh, masters in the past, they had that clear understanding. Let's co-create the vortex. Beside the vortex that exists in the planet in a natural way, let's increase. So, humans in that process of evolution, eh, they will try to create the best conditions to everybody and uh, eh, to try to multiply that. Because as more numerous we are, it becomes strong. Of course, you could be egoistic, saying, oh yeah, but only the priests, the priests are there, look at that, we are not there. Well, this is a limited thinking. Because there is always a process of understanding, a process of evolution, a process to deserve things, because you are doing your work, then you will be welcome to, to all those things. Then, when you are in the other side of the planet, in the Yucatan Peninsula, when you are in that area where the amazing Maya people create pyramids, when you are in the forest, when you are in the forest, you have the vegetation, you have uh, sometimes the, the rivers, the lagoons there, but the vegetation is so big, the trees, the forest is so big that you are there. And you are there saying, hmm, that's nice, yes, one day. That's nice one week. That's nice one month. That's nice one year. But after that, you will say, wow, that's too much. I would like to have something else. Humans, if we are not exposed to have all the diversity of the planet, our mind starts to be blocked. Humans, they need to have perspective. This is why, if you are in the forest, and 
this is limiting somehow part of your personal evolution, you do the best to co-create with nature the conditions in order to be over that forest. Mostly, when you are in Yucatan, in that Maya territory, if you are over the vegetation, the forest, you will see that over the vegetation, there is a peak here, there is another peak there, there is another peak there, the top, the very top, for the initiate people, for the masters, to connect to heaven. Not only emotionally, not only energetically, also visually. Because we are amazing beings, humans, and humans, they are connected to all this reality. Humans probably will have limitations in relation to other species, like animals. There are animals that you can see at night. There are animals that they can feel, even if they are in you know, isolated spaces, they can feel all around because of their own perceptions. But we humans, we are very much visual. This is part of what we have in order to observe from far and to connect them. But if you don't have that opportunity, you don't have uh, that, uh, uh, you know, open uh, space, something blocks yourself. If you are a leader, a master, you will try to fix that. If your reality is that, you will try to create conditions. Egyptians, they were amazing for that. Until they move a little farther to try to find mountains that they didn't have much. Here, they were not forced to do that because all the mountains are amazing geographic points. In that aspect, each reality will motivate you to adapt and to develop all kinds of awareness. This is why when there is this kind of argument that it's been only one place from where you know, humans evolved, African territory, and it was a moment that uh, show it in different latitudes, uh, Egyptians here, Maya there, Incas here, or Pre-Incas here, etc. But all of them, they had some technology. I can tell you that the technology that the Maya people they were using is different than the technology here. Not everything different, but certain aspects different, and the meaning as well, and the function as well, as well in Egypt. They had some things in common, but many things different as well. So you cannot conclude that one influenced the other, or it was only one source from where they show it. That's a very egocentric position that most of the scholars from Europe, they have. Or the scholars from US, they have. They want to point that. And that was amazing, you know, that in the genetic studies that they've been doing, they concluded that most of us, we have origins from the Tibetan people, or the Asian people. Asian genes and all that. So this is one side of the, of the figure. The global understanding is that when humans show it in the planet, it was not only the territory of uh, Africa that was the only one to, to put life as humans in the planet. That is a very limited understanding. Huh? But reality is amazing. Then here, uh, I still stay here even if I travel in, the, in different latitudes, I am still attracted so much for the beauty, the power that exists here. And it's very sure that ancestors, they had similar or deeper conclusions about this territory. And also the valley that you are. And the valley is unique. 
is, is the advancing to go to Machu Picchu, and then the rainforest, and more. Then this is a little about uh, that. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, uh, and I don't feel that this one origin. And probably, if the question was more related, uh, they were the Atlanteans as the origins, or the Lemurians, uh, given by certain people as the origin of everything? No. Not at all. They were just part of the history, the ancient civilizations, okay? That right now people, they are naming Lemurians, or Atlanteans, or Laponians, or whatever. You know, those are just names. And they were not responsible for human evolution. They were just part of the ancient societies that exist in the planet before even the last uh, uh, ice age thing. Uh, and the planet before that had other civilizations. And, uh, it's very interesting how all that, uh, even if we're evolving in the understanding of that, uh, sure, other specialists uh, doing studies in the soil, the, the, the atmosphere, the glaciers uh, are helping us to give uh, an understanding that somehow uh, in your inner world you already have. Uh, so some will be conclusions. Where do you think the role of, uh, because it seems it's, it's becoming more popular now, is this interest in what could be called power plants or master plants. Uh, a lot of people are going to the jungle and beginning to work with ayahuasca, more and more people are coming to here and working with Wachuma. Um, and it seems like, again, that was something that was very, maybe for the world at large, something that was very lost. And now it seems people are rediscovering that. Um, you know, I think even you mentioned it here, like uh, Chavin de Guantar, uh, it, it seems like there's iconography of these temples that, that gives pretty strong evidence that potentially they were working maybe with Wachuma or some of these power plants. Where do you think those 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 plants fit into the, the societies or the cosmovisions of these people? In the last uh, uh, two decades, people, they've been drinking ayahuasca more than the entire history of ayahuasca in the planet. In the last two decades. And if the result will be that uh, a master plant is transforming globally, uh, that's not the result, that's not the evidence. This is why also in the past it was not everybody who was having the inner journey with Wachuma or Ayahuasca or peyote, or iboga, or the mushrooms, or... You know, the planet is amazing. And uh, Pachamama is the mother of opportunities. And Pachamama didn't abandon uh, any latitude. Pachamama offered to all parts in the planet uh, the evidences of magic and beauty. Where a power plant uh, will take you to remember how beautiful you are, how connected you can be with that essential aspect. A power plant is for that. But in the last two decades, mysticism and tourism and, uh, you know, started to promote uh, so far that uh, this region became the region where uh, every day, even since the last 10 years, people, they are drinking ayahuasca every day, Cusco. In Seged Valley, you have in the village of 
Isaac as well that people they drink every day. It's enough to go to the market uh, and uh, to have some dollars and to buy a bottle or a little of. And you are finding some people on the streets to go to have some fun or to misunderstanding or to a, a kind of inner thing in your life. You are doing that. Uh, I had uh, for uh, many years uh, restaurants, vegan restaurants uh, in, in Cusco. The last one I was forced to close it the last year because all this situation of the manipulation in relation to the shots and all that. Uh, then uh, when I was uh, in that restaurant in main Cusco downtown, near of the main square, the Shaman Vegan restaurant, uh, and I was sometimes there, I met many people. And, uh, and of course, that uh, as the conversation was going, some of the people were saying, not only one or two or ten, many. They were saying, oh, thank you for that delicious meal that I didn't have for at least for the last uh, ten days or two weeks or whatever. Then I was sometimes surprised, saying, wow, thank you for saying that, but from where are you coming from? I said, they were saying, well, I was in the valley or I was in the jungle for uh, ten days and having uh, five shots of ayahuasca or, ten, or seven shots of ayahuasca. I was so surprised that in 10 days or in one week to have a few glasses of ayahuasca and I was saying to the people, wow, do you have in 10 days seven, seven glasses of ayahuasca? I would say, wow, you might be already illuminated or somehow on the path to illumination. But I noticed that most of the 50% of the people that I was encountering, they were even more confused than they were the beginning of their own stories. And they continue asking questions and they were confused, the result, or they didn't receive, or they received too much, or in the process, or I noticed that more than the 50% of these people were affected wrongly, and not uh, in the other side. Of course, then, you have to, to really be honest with yourself. Huh? The problem with becoming dependent in something is that you cannot move your life if you don't have that thing. And dependency is not helping the individual or the community to grow if they are not changing themselves. In order to change, I need that. I need that. Dependency is a kind of condition of drug addiction. In order for me to be, you know, present, give me the shot. So if that is the practice, uh, you know, that, that's been a terrible practice anyway. But this doesn't mean that many people, less than 50% for sure, probably receive a good thing in order to change their lives. Then you have to put in the balance. Imagine if that's given to all the planet. It's not going to be ready, the planet, to receive um, such... Uh, Massive plants, wachuma uh, or peyote. But what we have to restart honoring is what Pachamama is offering to you. If Pachamama offered to you peyote in the deserts in North America, become, if the energy is taking you to become uh, in communion with that master plant, you can learn about them until the moment that uh, you will understand that. That was part of your journey. I was invited sometimes to different conferences, 
And uh, in one of those conferences, uh, uh, that was in the jungle, one of the speakers was a very nice artist, recognized as a kind of mentor because his artistic work, his visionary work as a painter after having uh, ayahuasca journeys and all that. And so he was one of the, I'm talking to you about uh, maybe 15, 18 years ago, okay? And earlier, of course, but one of those events. And uh, he was one of the speakers. I was one of the speakers in relation to Wachuma, a master plan that I work on. Uh, but I was in the jungle. When I landed in the jungle, people, they started asking me, Manku, do you have Wachuma with you? When is going to be the ceremony? I said, no, sorry. I am coming here to honor Ayahuasca. We are in the jungle. If you want to have Wachuma with me, I wait for you in the mountains. I was there to honor Ayahuasca where it belongs. It doesn't belong here. Ayahuasca belongs to the jungle. So that uh, artist, which was a very recognized person, and when he was doing his speech, when he finished, saying, oh, any question? And then some people from the public asked, Mr. Can you tell us when was your last ceremony without Ayahuasca? Most of the people in the public that they were part of this community, they were waiting for him to say, ah, my last uh, uh, ceremony with Ayahuasca was last night. But was not. And then he started watching to the people and saying, mm, my last ceremony with Ayahuasca was uh, 15 years ago, or, or even earlier than that. To give an example that when you receive the meaning, the message, the lesson, this is it. You need to become dependent. The problem with the market is that the market is creating dependency. And in order for the public to come asking for the product, the market will create the product. So far that in Cusco, that is not uh, original from here, ayahuasca, but from the jungle, people, they drink and they sell ayahuasca here every day, as well in Pisac. Yeah? And like that, they are expanding in other places. And there are people that are coming just to have that. I am always saying to people, you're coming here to have a journey with ayahuasca, honor ayahuasca, go to the jungle, where it belongs to. This is in order to respect uh, the Gregoire, in order to respect the energy of the places. Because if you are coming in order to have ayahuasca here in Cusco, have ayahuasca in London, have ayahuasca in your own city, town, in New York or wherever, why you are coming here? Because to say, ah, I was in Cusco, so... If you are going to the jungle, yeah, honor in the jungle, where it belongs to. As well, honor peyote, where it belongs to. Honor mushrooms, where it belongs to. Pachuma, the desert, the mountains, where it belongs. Then, I, I, I honor very much, I respect very much, and being in history probably takes you to that side. You know? But if you are not in history and you are just a simple mystic person, you do whatever, you know. It's part of your <laughs> mystical approach, and, and many are in that kind of uh, journey. Then uh, I didn't see that uh, the ninety percent of the people in that kind of power plant journeys ended well. You know, less than fifty percent had a real understanding. The majority didn't. Then I prefer to respect that. And, uh, and people, they are looking at me for, uh, to have that. I say, well, ayahuasca, the jungle. 
if you are insisted and probably conditions are uh, well will be an ayahuasca around uh, somewhere in the lower location okay but uh, that's not what I am trying to motivate in people at all. Because in mastery, you understand uh, that if you have to become dependent in something, it's in you. Because inside of you, you have all the tools. Inside of your breathing, inside of your meditation, inside of your personal exercise, inside of your personal action. This is it. You know? All other aspects are very well, are welcome when there, are, when there is the energy, the conditions. With respect. No? Great. I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, this has been wonderful. The, the, the one thing I maybe am curious if you can touch on a little bit more is one of the things you, you really seem to be touching on in these books is this idea of this solar initiation. And again, this is something that, that, that I think you, you, you do see in a lot of cultures, but it seems to be very strong here. In, in many languages, even uh, even in Christianity, you have this idea of the, the son, the son of God, and uh, so what European traditions, this idea of like you know Zeus and Jupiter, it's corresponded uh, often with this solar energy. And many cultures seem to worship the sun, so it, it seems like there's a lot of. I think people on an intellectual level, they they correlate the sun to this idea of God or maybe spirituality, but it, it seems so less and less. We, we've kind of moved away from that. Uh, I mean, even we just kind of take it for granted that every day the sun rises and it gives light upon the world and it nourishes and it feeds. So can you speak a little bit about what you found in, in these traditions here about this connection to the sun and, and even this idea of like uh, these these potential solar initiations that maybe some of these ancient sites were pointing towards? Some of the scholars interpreted that Machu Picchu was created to be a place for resting of the leaders, of the king and all that. Some others, they interpreted that was the farmer that was isolated and preserved, protected and all that. Uh, probably Machu Picchu, probably Cusco are the most clear examples about uh, the master vision that these people had in relation to solar effects. Again, there are so many thrones, so many steps aligned cosmically, sources, equinoxes. It's too much evidence about that. The entire city of Cusco is the evidence about how following an order, the sun will start illuminating for head to produce a massive solar initiation in people. And not only one, a massive thing, an entire city to receive an impact. This is a master vision. And, but even if this is what they had as a practical thing, that was not uh, for sure accepted for everybody. And there were many that probably didn't care about that. Yeah. In, uh, I am considering myself as a solar being uh, since, in a personal experience, most of my life, probably 99% of my life, I've always been awake before sunrise to observe, 
the beauty of that amazing impacting of the sun. Uh, I, I cannot say the 100 because probably sometimes I was not. Yeah, but at least more than 90 percent, even 99 percent. That was amazing my personal journey, and that helped me to discover a lot of things. Because being before sunrise, I could see not only stars, constellation, moon, but also positions and all that light and shadow. And in 1992, occurred to me this solar initiation, as I was referring earlier in the solar observatory of the Intihuatana in Machu Picchu. The following year, I discovered the welding of the Puma and many other events. Then masters, they wanted to uh, help people to receive that impact, eh? but not uh, as uh, the impulse, uh, imposition to the society, because they understood everybody, even if it's uh, uh, already shown, uh, that's not necessary to everybody. There will be people that they don't care, no? they have all their... Even, even now, you know, if... Uh, if we have the understanding, even now, there are many people that even if they know, there will be many situations that uh, conditions will be not there, then it will not happen. Even if the information is there, you see? Then a solar initiation is uh, the amazing process where the light is going to make a metamorphosis in yourself to reactivate part of your memories, part of your cells, uh, and all this. And I have the ability to connect that to those places as I am arriving. For example, if I will be in one ancient place, I will know where to sit, where to be, and how that works. Because I've been there and I experimented myself, and I can transmit that to the people. And I've been teaching that for many years to people. Uh, this is why uh, in our retreats, because we organize journeys, events, and all that in our retreats. People, they were ready, and they were following before sunrise. Not every day for them, but at least in many of the places. They trying to be before sunrise in order to understand how this can help to transform their reality. In, uh, uh, in the ancient time, there was not a kind of uh, regular thing for everybody, because, uh, uh, again, they closed some of the places for chosen people. They gave instructions, yes. They opened the doors, yes. But it was not everybody ready to understand that. That restricted. And say, well, in that temple, because the conditions of the temple, because the size of the area, it will be these numerous individuals that can be here. Of course, many others will be doing their regular activities then a solar initiation will be passing to a certain number of individuals for them to assure how that works and to replicate. Because as they could replicate, they could motivate. And that was very interesting when the Incas, they arrived to, on the coast to an area where uh, was Pachacama, for example. They honored very much what the indigenous people over there they were creating, but they said, listen, that here will be built a temple to honor the sun, the moon, stars, or, or whatever. That was sh showing, saying, oh, you are doing that, continue doing. But something else is coming. This doesn't deny that uh, you can continue doing that. But there is that as well. That means integration. That means at least showing to them 
that this also exists, uh, that, that can help them to make a personal jump uh, in another level of life. What was limiting a lot all this massive impact in population in the past was the local understanding, the simple, simple understanding. And there is a terrible mistake that even until our days is transmitted. It's like this terrible mistake uh, promoted through internet, uh, through the mysticism that uh, let's uh, promote uh, the union of, of the tribes, the gathering of the tribes, and after all the tribes will be having a gathering, after that peace will be manifest on earth. That's totally wrong, because the nature of a tribe is to be isolated, not to be integrated. Imagine that we are organizing uh, the event of gathering of the 20 tribes, 50 tribes, each representative in a big circle, and it will be the day of sharing. So after the day of sharing, every representative, the different tribal experience, we say, oh, in our tribe, uh, we are showing this, next, this, 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 after the event is over, saying, this is it, okay, goodbye, see you next year, or whatever. We will continue doing the same, eh? because tribes will be not uh, integrated until the moment they jump. In order to separate or to escape of that conditioning, they need to open themselves. And what is limiting a lot in this process of evolution are the traditions. To me, many people, they ask me in other places, according to, the, to your tradition, I'm saying, sorry, I don't follow traditions. Because my ancestors, the Andean ancestors, and the Inca masters, they were the first non-traditional people at all. They were organizing events, they were inviting different representatives, different specialists from other latitudes, and as these specialists, they were coming to Cusco, and they were showing their own discoveries in relation to whatever aspects of life, and if the leaders in Cusco, they could recognize that this was something very special that would help them to co-create something better, these different representatives will be invited to stay, to teach them how to do it better, in order to remove what was not helping them to be, you know, in the extraordinary vision as possible in that time. Our own ancestors, they were the same people showing that tradition is a prison which is not helping people to evolve. This is why right now there is a lot of limitations. And people, they look very much for those excuses, you know. Oh, according to your tradition, if you are interested in spirituality, in shamanism, it was your father like that? It was your grandfather like that to give you validation? Can you imagine this being a manipulation? And this, is, this was coming basically for, uh, in the anthropological approach, trying to justify... Uh, you know, the simple attitude of people and validating in order to preserve something that is nonsense most of times. And in relation to that aspect, uh, if people, they will give me an example how a tradition is showing to us evolution in the way that I can follow you or whoever are following because they are showing to us how amazing they are, I'm ready to follow. Give me an example of any traditional group that uh, are showing you evolution. They are blocked. This tradition is blocked. Tradition is a prison. It's not helping. Then you need to integrate society, a global community, in order to respect each one in their own arena, and like that taking the best of the best of everybody.
you know, then you have a great mission because uh, you are located in a territory from ancestors. You are using actual technology, which is very good. And then we need to integrate that with other specialists uh, in the area of cropping, organically, building, or whatever, you know, uh, motivating for all of us to become strong. There is nothing wrong to become more powerful. Nothing wrong. There are, una, there are beautiful stories. There is one very nice story, which is in my book, uh, The Crystal City of Machu Picchu. By the way, this is that book, The Crystal City of Machu Picchu. Huh? Mm -hmm. And there is a beautiful story about the condor and the hummingbird and all that. Uh, and uh, it will be for another moment to share part of that. Then uh, let's give uh, a recognition to the beauty of human beings, what they can create. Let's contribute together in a global scale. Not the way how they are trying to do right now, of course not, uh, because it's a political manipulation, terribly. So uh, we need to be strong in order to uh, be, you know, confronting all that. And I celebrate this opportunity to, to share with you and your community and the planet those Andean messages. Well, Marco, thank you very much. Uh, I, I, I'm really happy we did this and, and having a chance for, for you to share with everyone. And I think you have a really beautiful voice and, and a very unique voice, which I think is, is really important. Um, I think so many people speak from ideas and maybe not from a place of direct experience and from a place of their own wisdom and, and their own discovery. And I think that's that's really what, what shamanism and these spiritual paths are pointing towards, is, is really finding things to be true within ourselves. And, and that's unshakable. That is real power, because then no one can take it from us, because it's not something that's, that's given. It's something that's found, it's discovered, and it's real, and it's true, and it's beautiful. So uh, thank you very much for sharing. And um, is there anything you else that we didn't touch on that you want to to, to mention, or you feel like we, we covered a good? Well, uh, there are many aspects in the Andean uh, practical things, uh, the meaning of places, um, that uh, uh, if there is uh, there's a chance to, to do another moment, uh, sure, we'll be happy to share, or whatever is coming in mind to, 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 to your public uh, questions, and sure, that uh, I can address to those different points and I am happy and celebrate and honor you know this dedication you have uh, as part of your mission to contribute for awareness in uh, uh, the planet you know, we need to continue doing our work it's important especially if we manage to be present in this time of radical confrontations that happen especially in latitudes like here uh, then uh, let's uh, unite the voices of uh, wisdom that exists in the planet eh? and together make impact for the best. Oh, my gratitude. And invoke to Pachamama to continue giving us the support to arrive to many more people. Thank you very much. Well, beautiful. I, I would love to do a part two, and, and that's a great idea. I'm sure I'll, I'll have a lot more questions once I, I listen to this and maybe even putting it out to the audience and seeing what questions they have. And 
That would be wonderful. If if people are they 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 listen to this and they 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 resonate with you and they'd like to learn more, maybe read your books or even come and work with you. Is is there a way that they can do that? Is your website the best option? Uh, yeah, uh, my personal website. Uh, you can find my books. It's uh, Manku Data Pro, and uh, of course we organize retreats uh, here in the Andes. Uh, and sometimes uh, that's not part of what I, I promote, but of course uh, I work sometimes with master plan Wachuma that we have and we produce ourselves. Uh, but it's not uh, the main reason of our teachings. Uh, the, the human being is amazing. Then uh, people they can find us also in our other website pachamama.me. Uh, then, uh, but through my personal website, uh, finding my books, they can find me. Then, uh, and here we have a, a small center in the moment with uh, 10 rooms uh, where some of our small groups, uh, they are lodging sometimes here. Uh, when we have uh, larger groups, of course, we use other facilities. Uh, and here we're in Cusco, beautifully, you know, it's Cusco, but it's, it's different. Uh, we're near of the mountain, near of the uh, forest of uh, eucalyptus and native uh, vegetation as well nearby. Uh, and this year the canoe trees. Yes. yes. Then uh, whenever you want to uh, receive uh, all the kind of guidance, uh, direct uh, assistance in the master places, uh, yeah, you can look for me. Happy to assist you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Marco. I really appreciate this. No, thank you, Jason. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. That's it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Maiku Eribalo. Uh, really fascinating guy. Um, these are topics that really interest me. Things like ancient cultures, um, uh, astro-archaeology, astronomy, the, the precision of these uh, sacred sites, the architectural, the, the engineering, um, the, the, the precision, the alignment to the stars, um, just so many really fascinating topics and, and also how a lot of this ties into plant work. Um, so as I said, I think we just touched on the surface of a lot of these topics and hopefully uh, he'll come back on in the near future and we can go into some more depth. So as always, thank you all for the support. If you are able to uh, help to support this podcast, that's a really big help. Uh, Patreon is a really good option. It's a website you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. There's different tiers you can sign up for. Those tiers give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. That's a really big help to me. It's really what allows me to keep making these shows and bringing on these guests. So if you feel like you're getting something out of these podcasts, that's a really big help to me to be able to give back. Um, if you're not able to do that, um, some of the really small things make a really big difference. So if you're viewing this on YouTube, hitting the subscribe button, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, leaving any questions or comments in the comments section, all of those things really help with the algorithms to get the show out to a bigger audience. And then if you're listening to this show, uh, still the two biggest platforms are uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So if you can leave a starred rating and a short review, that's also a really big help. So I think that's it. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, the the next episode is going to be an interview where my friend and colleague Marav Artsy and I were interviewed by our mutual friend Angel Deer. Uh, he runs a 
um, what he calls a shamanic center in upstate New York. Uh, we've gone there the last couple of years to run plant dietas, and he interviews us more about the plant dieta, about working with trees, about the medium of tobacco. So that's uh, that was a really interesting interview to, to also uh, find out more about my work, about Marav's work, and um, and just the working with plants in general, and, and specifically the, the plant dieta. So... Uh, I think that's it. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Again, thank you all for the support, and I will see you all on the next episode. Mm